You're listening to episode number 86 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. New episodes are released only on Self-Care Sundays, and today's episode is an interview about mental health, motherhood, and entrepreneurship. Today's guest is Danny Anderson, who is the owner of Danny Anderson Creative. She is an event planner, she is a mother, she is a creative entrepreneur with an upcoming jewelry line under her belt. In today's episode, we're diving deep into her university experience in student politics and how she actually became a university dropout, how that led her to where she is now, and how motherhood and maternity leave inspired her to start her own business, even amidst a global pandemic. I met Danny a couple months ago when she hired me as an influencer to promote her love club, which is an elopement service for couples who still wanted to get wed during COVID-19. And when we met, we initially really clicked and I just was really inspired by her ambition as a businesswoman who is willing to pivot and just make things work during a really tough time. After we worked on that collaboration together, Danny brought up another business project, an idea with me, which is now Daydreaming 101. And the two of us came up with Daydreamers Collective, which is going to be an event series that we're putting on throughout the year for content creators, small business owners, photographers, artists, entrepreneurs, you name it. And the idea for this came from a place of what we wish we had here, being inspired by events in New York and LA, conferences like Create and Cultivate and the Girl Boss Rally, and knowing that Calgary had never quite put on something like this before. This first event, Daydreaming 101, is definitely still smaller scale than those really big conferences, but it's something that combines the creative with the educational and really brings together the skill sets of myself and Danny. Danny being the event planning whiz who's working on all of the logistics, the back end, and styling this amazing building and space to create this creative playground. And my skill set being on the influencer marketing side, providing my knowledge and my experience. And we're bringing all of that together to create this educational workshop weekend for creative entrepreneurs. So I'll share a little bit more about that at the end of the episode. But if you are interested, I'll also link Daydreaming 101 in the show notes, the Eventbrite page. You can save $15 by ordering a ticket through that link. It's in Calgary, July 23rd to 25th, and we are super, super excited to see you guys there. Also, if you're listening to this, it means that today my skincare and makeup bags have launched on selfcaresunday.co. I didn't really talk about this because I wasn't sure how the products were going to turn out, and I really wanted to make sure that if I was creating a new product, it was something that I was really proud about and could stand behind, and I didn't want to post anything about it until I knew 100% for sure that I loved it. So if you go on selfcaresunday.co, you will see new beige and pink skincare and makeup bags, which are the perfect travel bags for all of your self-care things. You can put essential oils in there, you can put sex toys in there, I don't care what you put in there, but they are roomy, they're 10 inches, and they are super sturdy. They're made in Canada, 
with polyester and vegan leather. They're all made to order, so I'm not going to be holding any inventory to reduce inventory waste. I don't know if you guys know this, but one of the biggest issues in the fashion industry is production and waste of inventory and waste of production. So clothes or items, accessories, whatever, will be overproduced in order to make sure that they don't sell out. And then products that are not sold basically end up going in the trash or being donated or some places will recycle them, but it's really unlikely and the industry just creates a ton of waste this way. So I made these as a made-to-order item. It takes about a week to 10 days for items to be produced and then they were shipped directly to you from Canada. I hope you guys like them. I'm really excited about it. They're really cute and actually very practical and I needed new makeup bags myself. So that's basically why I made them. Uh, they're $34. You can get 10% off if you sign up on Patreon. Everything is linked in the show notes. And now let's get into today's episode. Hi, Danny. Hi, Kaylee. <laughs> <laughs> We were just talking um, before we were recording how this week is a week that we both need to be getting vulnerable and confront imposter syndrome. So I'm excited to be on this podcast with you because I feel like this is going to be a little bit therapeutic for us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, last week when you had mentioned coming on, I was not in this headspace. So I was like, yes, this will be so positive and I'll be in like... So, so much excitement for daydreamers and then the weekend happened and I was like, oh, I really need to do this to prove to myself that, um, I know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, this is a safe space. Thank you. You're so welcome. Um, okay. So I'm sure that there's a lot of listeners who don't know you or who don't know your background. Obviously I've been talking a lot about Daydreaming 101, which we'll talk a little bit more about at the end of this episode. But let's get into, let's start with your background. Like, where are you from? Where did you go to school? How did you get to where you are now? Yeah, for sure. So I am a Saskatchewan born and raised girl. I grew up in Regina. Uh, I went to the U of R as well. So I've always kind of been a little bit of a jack of all trades, master of none, I like to say. So I dabbled in a lot of things from um, being a high performance athlete in high school to going after high school and au pairing in Germany for a year. And then when I came back, I started working at a flower shop um, just as like a shop assistant. And that was where I got my first taste of events. But at that time, I kind of just saw it as more of like a creative art. I didn't really think of it as like planning. I was just like, I love getting my hands dirty. I love learning. It was a skill that I had never really come in contact with before. And then I started going to university uh, and I did my undergrad in poli sci. I am a now proud university dropout. I dropped out with about five Wait, classes I don't think left. I knew that. Yeah. Oh so people never know. And like, it's funny because it's not that I'm ashamed of it. I think if you would have asked me like maybe a year ago or two years ago, I probably would have been like, Oh yeah, like I, I dropped out, but I did my under I did most of my undergrad, I should say, in political science, um, with a minor in history. 
And I had a huge focus on Canadian politics and I loved it at the time. It was like something I was so passionate about. I loved learning the content. Where I think I struggled was the career aspect afterwards. If you don't know, poli-sci kind of leads to a few different routes. Um, The big one being law school, uh, getting into governance or doing more policy. Obviously, political life is a huge portion of that. Uh, And I kind of dabbled in all three. So I actually wrote my LSAT, had a mediocre score, realized in that moment, oh my gosh, I'm not good at logic. (laughs) And like reading and writing, great, love it. Math problems with words, it was just not a thing for me. Uh, And then I also dabbled in kind of the public life thing where I did student union politics which was the most exhausting, but also the most interesting experience in my life, I think. I was all of a sudden like shoved into this public spotlight that I was not ready for. I was really young at the time. I was only 20. I turned 21 in my year of student politics. And that's really young. Like that Mm -hmm. is, at that point, you are so unsure of who you are and even your opinions about things. Like my opinions have changed so much since 20. Um, but at the time you're basically forced to tell people your stance on things. Luckily I didn't ever really put my foot in my mouth or say things that like I would come to regret later. And also luckily social media was big, but it wasn't like as big as it was now, as it is now. Like I had Facebook and like a very small Instagram. Like it wasn't like nowadays where you're so public and you have so many eyes following you. So I think those are huge blessings in hindsight. So I did that for, you know, a year and a half, stayed really involved with the school, got really involved with like, even down to like the arts council, like all of these different things. And what I realized was I was also not comfortable in public life. It really stressed me out. Like at that time in my life, I was just trying to be liked by everyone and finding my niche (laughs) and just trying to also like actually say what I believed in. Cause I wasn't sure. I was like, I have to have a stance on these things and formulate an opinion and I don't know, like I am, I've always been a person to like kind of take information and process it and try and like really think it through. And that doesn't give you any time. Like they're like, Hey, here's a problem. Give us your stance on it in like 48 hours, sometimes less. Like I would have, you know, CTV or global or CBC coming to the school. My position was external relations. So really working with government and they would just be like, Hey, we're coming here to interview you in two hours. Be ready. (laughs) And I would just be like, I don't know what I think about this. And so that was really stressful for me and it it caused a lot of anxiety. So when I left my position at Ursu, or I should say I didn't win again, like I, I ran for president against an incumbent Mm -hmm. who was my president. So we like were butting heads the entire year. I decided to like give up my position to run against him terrible decision in hindsight, because I was just not ready. I was not ready for the responsibility. I was not ready to get trashed on the internet for two weeks straight. Every little thing I did was just like under this massive scrutiny. And so when I left that, I had a ton of anxiety, like a ton of anxiety. Um, I was not functioning. It was at the point where like drinking became a huge issue for me. If I'm being totally candid, my boyfriend at the time, now husband, honestly had firemen carried me out of a bar at least once or twice. And it wasn't like excessive. It was just my headspace was so wrong that even two drinks would black me out. And so at that point I was like, I'm not well. I like went to a doctor, got on some sort of anti-anxiety medication, which wasn't working either because it was so quick. Like there was no real, like, let's talk through this. Let's find some processes. It was like, Hey, let's get you medicated and get your head straight. And all that did was turn me into like a zombie. So I went through this really big transition through university where I started university so passionate and so in love with what I was doing. 
and literally dropped out because I was like, I don't value myself. I don't know what I want. I don't even know if I like what I'm doing. And I tried really everything that I could with poli sci. I tried the nonprofit sector. I tried, you know, the governance side. I tried being in the political, you know, realm of doing kind of more of the leadership. And I wasn't cut out at the time. I felt I wasn't cut out for any of them. So when I dropped out, I was already living in Calgary. My husband and I had moved here kind of on a whim. I will never forget the day that I decided I wanted to move. I was on a beach in Cuba and we were just having, you know, one of those like mojito fueled conversations about where we wanted our lives to go. And at this point we were really serious and I like remember breaking down and just being like, I want to move to Alberta. Like I just want to do something different. I want to be challenged by different things. I want to meet new people. And I just feel like I've outgrown where I'm at. And that's a really hard thing to come to terms with because I do love my hometown. I do love so much about my city. Um, I am the person that I am because I was raised there by the parents that live there. I met my husband who lived literally 600 meters away from me my whole life in university. Like it's the weirdest, most bizarre story. Right. So I owe so much to that place. But at that point in my life, I was like, I need some breathing room. I need eyes off of me. I need to feel like a different person. I want to be myself for the first time in like five years since I started university. So we moved to Calgary about eight months later. I like literally every day just thought about how can I move? How can we do this? Like, and he's a petroleum engineer. So it was natural that he just kept applying for jobs in the city. And we one landed, like we got it within two weeks of him getting his initial phone call. He had his interview within two weeks after that, we were packing up and moving. Like it was a very, very quick transition of being like, Oh my gosh, we're in Regina to, Oh my gosh, we're moving to Calgary. And since we've moved here, what I found is that there is a freedom of starting over Mm -hmm. in some ways where I was lucky that I knew some people here. I had friends from university that kind of knew me. They were super supportive in my transition to moving here. I was able to find home super quickly. It was like Calgary was like second skin to me. And I think it's very like-minded people. I loved being outdoors. I loved how active the city was. And I just felt that when I moved here, people were grinders. Like from the get-go, there was no question about what my intentions were, why I was working so hard, like why I was so ambitious. Like it didn't feel like I had to fake it when I was feeling tired or fatigued. I could step away and nobody knew the wiser. They didn't know that I had done all these things in my early twenties. They didn't know that I had been so active in my community for so many years. They just knew that I was this, they just knew my personality, just knew who I was. And that felt really freeing. So I guess to transition to your earlier question of how I got into events, my initial, you know, step into events was through the floral industry. I really capitalized on that working through the students union because all of a sudden I was planning, you know, welcome weeks, frost weeks, mental health awareness weeks, like doing all of these massive campaigns that I had really no prior experience to be doing, but thankfully had like a really great team of people to kind of lead me through. And I was allowed to let my ideas flourish with kind of this massive budget because student unions do have a ton of sponsorship. I mean, you're getting in 10 to $20,000 of sponsorship per sponsor. Mm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so to have Especially that, as a, what, 20 year old. year old managing that? Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, like that, the nice thing was, is we did have a really great team of people who you could kind of be like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, and there was amazing people on that team. Like our welcome week coordinator at the time was so organized. Like it was incredible, but it gave me this like experience that I feel like a lot of people at 24 didn't have when mm. I moved to Calgary where I was like, I've managed massive budgets. Like I've worked with huge corporate sponsors. That being said, moving to a new city, 
the events industry is a lot of clout. Like it is really who you know in some ways. I think the work ethic piece comes second, but if you can get your foot in the door with the right people, that's a huge step. So I ended up serving for a little bit of time until I kind of found my break. And after that, it was really great. I got to work for some amazing companies in the city. And I think where I transitioned into entrepreneurship was just... I have realized over the years that I'm a very self-motivated person and I think sometimes it's really easy when you're in a very structured role to get confined and that's where I get really frustrated and very flustered. I don't require a lot of micromanagement I think and so I find that it's almost a hindrance to me where if you tell me that I have to work 60 or 70 hours a week, I will resist. I will rebel. I'm just a natural, like, why? Why? Mm. (laughs) But if you don't, I will probably work 60 or 70 hours a week anyways. I mean, at my last job, that was the norm for me. And I loved it. That was like what fueled me was just getting up in the morning and knowing that I had this like crazy packed day, which long-term is not sustainable. (laughs) But at the time, it just like totally lit the fire under my ass. I just saw other people working hard and I was like, that's what I want. And I, I knew that long-term my goal was always to kind of have my own thing because I believe I have a lot of pillars that are super important to me that don't really resonate with some businesses and nor should they like not every business has to have the same values or the same kind of pillars of their business. But I knew long-term that I wanted to really employ creatives and artists. I believe so much in art and what people do as art. And that doesn't mean painting and sculpting and, you know, just photography. It means like whatever your medium is, if you're putting your creative expression on it, to me, that is an art form. And I just knew long-term I wanted to create a scenario where I could just work with artists and creatives all the time. And events are really great for that because you can bring so many people together from different industries and different backgrounds. And when I went on maternity leave, yes, I'm a mom. I'm a young mom. I got (laughs) pregnant at 25, super little. um, And I wasn't ready. Like if I'm being totally candid, Tanner and I had noopsies. Um, the best oopsies ever. Like I never want to say that he's not the best oopsies ever, but very unplanned. So at that point it was like kind of detrimental to, in my brain, I was like, this is going to sewer my career. Like I am going to have to go on mat leave. I will be forgotten. No one will think of me when I'm gone. And you know what? Honestly, some of those things are true. Like that's, that's the reality. And it's really shitty uh, that women feel that way when they go on maternity leave, but it happened. And What that taught me was that the only person that I truly feel that I can depend on when it comes to creating my own fortune is myself. Mm -hmm. And I have to create those opportunities for myself. I have to be the one that is curating my own experiences when it comes to work because I never want to feel that level of insecurity in my life again. And that was my own insecurity. That was nothing that anybody else was projecting onto me. That was me in my own head about the only value I could bring is if I work 60 or 70 hours a week, which I couldn't do after a baby. The only value I could bring is if I was dis- if I was available at any point of the day for clients. That's not true either. Like there were so many things I learned throughout maternity leave about setting boundaries and about valuing the work that I do and about actually just valuing what I do and like a monetary perspective and like what people pay me that I didn't understand before I had a baby. So going on maternity leave was when I was like, this is my opportunity to spread my wings and fly. And most people would have been like, but COVID and COVID was actually like the springboard. Like that was me like taking two more steps and jumping a little bit higher into the pool, but it was like exciting. Like I thought to myself, if I can ride this wave out, there is nothing in the next five years that will be 
in my way Mm -hmm. because this is unprecedented. This is like, nobody knows where this is headed, what the outcome is. So if I can throw myself into the tornado, so to speak, and if I can hold my ground and like survive it, then I feel like I will have had business lessons that people after me won't have had. They won't have had those experiences. They won't have had that that impact in their lives, right? Of starting a business in that time. So I kind of took it as an opportunity to be like, what lessons can I learn here? And the risk of failure felt very small because everybody's going to fail throughout this. This is, like I said, unprecedented. So if I fail, I'm probably not the only one. And that to me was like risk mitigation. (laughs) I was like, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. I'm going to fail. fail. Totally. And I could just kind of hide in that. You know what I mean? I could kind of wait it out and see what was working, what wasn't working. And I told myself at the beginning of 2020, before COVID happened, I was like, this is your year to be fearless and bold and unapologetic in what you want and to ask for big things. And I believe that COVID was like, here you go. Like you've asked for this. You've asked for this opportunity to be bold and fearless. This is scary. What are you going to do? And I was like, okay, this is the challenge. I'm going to take the challenge. It hasn't been easy. Yeah. It's unusual. It's very hard to explain to people that you quit your, you know, your job during a maternity leave during a pandemic. <laughs> like that doesn't make a All lot of, of sense. Things. It doesn't. And I get a lot of high eyebrows. Like it's yeah. kind of like, And especially because I did love my job. I did love my industry. Like there was nothing that was really, you know, pushing me out the door, so to speak. It was just like this internal thing in me where I was like, I need more this summer. I need more this year. I need more for my life. And I know that I'm setting limitations on myself if I don't take this opportunity. Like that will, I I really thought I will regret this for the rest of my life if I don't do it now. Because if I'm not going to do it now, who's to say I'm ever going to do it? If the pull is like pulling on you, there's something like in your gut that's like stirring you. You got to listen sometimes because I have no regrets. Um, Okay, so the first thing that I want to get into a little bit and go back on way back in time university. (laughs) Yeah. Um, because first of all, thank you for being completely like honest and transparent about that sort of thing, because I know I have a lot of younger listeners who are still in university and when you're that young, you get so stressed about what your life is going to look like when you graduate. (laughs) Right. And like I had my worst I guess, bout of depression, mental illness, eating disorder when I was in university. And you just feel so much pressure being a young person trying to figure yourself out while also trying to figure out where you fit in the world. So going back to that and how you're feeling then and like dropping out, Mm -hmm. was that like, what were you feeling in those moments that you're like, I can't finish this? Mm. And then how do you go from not completing your degree to then working in an industry. Like I think some people that don't go to university are afraid, do I need a degree in order to be successful or like have my career? And I'm somebody, I don't think university is for everybody. I agree. But I'd love to hear like kind of your journey. Yeah. So I kind of, I'll preface this by saying that although I'm a dropout, there was probably opportunities for me to finish. Like I had enrolled through Athabasca. I only had, I think somewhere between five and seven courses. I can't remember, but it was like basically a semester and a half, probably very minimal. I don't, I'm a person who doesn't regret things anymore because that doesn't make any sense. If you're trying to focus on success and focus on 
building yourself up to what you believe you can be, like regretting things doesn't make any sense. So I don't use that word anymore. Could I have been wiser about finishing? Probably. I probably could have sat down and really grinded it out. I was at the stage where it made me so miserable. I was serving at the time and I'll never forget this. I had a final like a week later and it was an easy class. It was like a poli side 200 that I had just missed. Like it was like a, an, an intro to American politics or something crazy basic. I'm in my fourth year and I haven't taken this class yet. So I'm doing it. And I remember being so, so stressed about it that I would like break down and cry in the server room of the restaurant I was working at. And the manager walked mm-hmm. in one day and I'll never forget this. And he was actually a poli sci major as well. And he ended up like dropping out of law school. It kind of had a similar story in the sense of like that pressure to like go to poli, go into poli sci and become a lawyer is like very relevant. Like it is huge in a poli sci undergrad. And I just looked at him and he's like, why, like, why are you so upset? And I was like, because I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm so anxious about this stupid. It's like a written essay I have to submit. It's nothing dramatic. And here I am like fretting about this a week out to the point that I'm like anxious and ready to like throw up before a shift. And that is not typically like me, I guess at that stage in my life. So I'm like, why is this stressing me out so much? And he just looked at me and he was like, this will be what it's like for you until you either A, change your headspace and get into it again, or B, drop out. And I just remember hearing that and being like, oh my gosh, I need to drop out. And at the time it felt temporary. It wasn't like, this is the rest of my life. I really thought I would pick it up again and go back. But what I had realized is when I moved to Calgary, Regina doesn't have a huge event scene. So when I moved to Calgary, I saw this industry that I had never been able to tap into in my hometown because it didn't exist. So then all of a sudden I'm here in the city with an industry that I you know, it's huge here. There's so many job opportunities. There's so many mentors. There's so many people who are just killing it in the events game. And I was like, my eyes were open and I was like, okay, why am I still pursuing this poli-sci undergrad when I'm not passionate about it? And it's literally making me sick. What I would say is with a university degree, there's a lot of doors that open. What I love seeing happen, and this is really going off on a tangent, but this access to open education and the way that people can educate themselves prior without having to invest, I think is so valuable. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends who have made really amazing career decisions based out of their university experience. And I would never regret what I did in university because it did form a lot of who I am today and also taught me a lot. Like I did learn so much. I did gain such a valuable skill set. If you are going to university, I think the more value that you put into meeting people, making connections, getting involved is going to be what defines your experience because a piece of paper, no offense, is not going to do that. (laughs) I think the work ethic that you can gain will define some of your experience. I am a firm believer that a university education is not for everybody, especially in a day and age where we're making trades more accessible, college diplomas, and even just routes to entrepreneurship and self-employment. That being said, I think that education is super important. So if you're not going to do a university degree, that's totally fine, but educate yourself in other ways. Find resources. There are so many universities that are often offering like open education. So like basically free textbooks, free courses, intros to things that will be really valuable for you in the long term. If you're learning like the basics of, you know, just to put something simple, like accounting, how to file your taxes every year, how can you expect to be self-employed or self-sufficient if you can't do those things? And I'm not, this is not me like sitting on a pedestal. I am learning those things currently because (laughs) I'm still like figuring out Excel spreadsheets to be frank. Like that is where I'm at in my career on that side of things. But I firmly believe that if you're going to go into your life without educating yourself, whatever that looks like to you, you're, you're doing yourself a detriment. Like you're not giving yourself the full 
potential that you could have because there's so many resources out there for you to access despite, you know, university being super expensive. There's a lot of things out there that can mirror that experience or at least mirror some of that education. So I think that we've come to an age where people are really interested in more of the self-employment route, the entrepreneurship route. Um, I think everybody has a side hustle these days, but and I love it. I think that is so important to changing the way that our economy is structured and the way that we look at money and fulfillment and purpose. I think that those things are so important to changing the narrative around that. That being said, it doesn't come easy. And you are a fool to think that those things will come with just a work ethic. It is so much about educating yourself and getting your brain right and getting the knowledge as much as you can. And that will help you make mistakes that are valuable to your business. And it will also help you avoid mistakes that are not valuable to your business or your passion or whatever that looks like to you. So I fundamentally would not change my university experience just because of who it made me. What I would say is don't be so hard on yourself. If you don't know what you want, don't feel the pressure to take a university degree that you're not ready for, or that you are not sure what that outcome looks like because it will change. Likely most people do change. I think there's a statistic that it's like 60 to 70% of people who start university end up changing at some point in their university career, whether that's in their post-grad, whether that's their undergrad, like it is insane numbers Mm -hmm. of people that are just like, they end up having a pivot and pivots are great. So I think the, the point being is you can use university as a stepping stone. You can also use other things as a stepping stone. Just make sure that you do not devalue what education brings and be ready for education because education is not easy, regardless of the route that you take, whether that's, you know, a trade, a diploma, online education, something that's open access, something that's literally just a one-time course. Like none of those things should just be easy afterwards. There should be some sort of follow through that requires your effort and and your brain power I guess yeah and if it's easy then you need to be challenging yourself more Mm -hmm. we were what were we talking about before this how if oh we were talking about events and putting on events and if the first thing that you do like the first event you put on or the first business that you start or the first whatever product you put out there if it's like an absolute smash success that's worrisome because then you have nowhere to go. You can't go upwards if you start at the peak, right? Totally. Yeah. And I think something that we're both learning, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but many of our conversations have revolved around the idea that trying something new is not easy and it comes with a lot of raised eyebrows. It comes with a lot of, I would say, confrontation and a lot of question. And I think those things are good. Like if you can really dive into the purpose and the intention behind what you're doing, you are so much better off in the long term with whatever your business plans are or your project plans are. And so I guess the encouragement through that education piece, again, going back to if it's easy, some things might be easy and that's okay. What are you going to do afterwards that challenges you with that, right? Maybe that course itself was a no brainer. How are you going to apply that in a setting that makes you uncomfortable or challenges your way of thinking or forces you to reevaluate yourself? Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's the huge piece of education that people are missing is not just what you're learning, but the application afterwards. I want to talk a bit about being a mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a mom. <laughs> You're a cat mom. Um, I'm a cat mom. It doesn't count. <laughs> uh, but I'm fascinated by women who are mothers and entrepreneurs. And what I think, uh, 
What I think in particular inspires me about you is that your motherhood really does not define who you are in every circumstance that I've met you and just the way that I've gotten to know you. I never think, oh, Danny, Danny the mom, you know, like I think, oh, Danny, Mm -hmm. like you as a person are whole. And I, I think one of my fears getting older Mm -hmm. um, and thinking about, okay, one day having a family is like, do I lose part of myself and part of my career ambitions and all of those things when I have a child. Oh my gosh. You sound so much (laughs) like me like a year ago. And like, it honestly makes me emotional. I didn't think I was going to cry on this podcast, but I might. I think, okay, if I'm being frank, you will lose a part of yourself, Mm -hmm. but you gain like so much more. And this isn't to say for those of you who aren't interested in having a family or aren't interested in having kids you will find this somewhere else in your life. Like this isn't necessarily like a knock on people who aren't wanting to have a family. What I would say is I went into motherhood. So I'll give you like the, the like Ted or the spark notes version of like me finding out I was pregnant. Okay. It, like I said, it was not planned. So Tanner and I were in this like peak career mode. We're super, super career oriented people. We are just like the types of psychopaths that would work like honestly, constantly, like we, at at the end of like my maternity leave, I would see him like two nights a week. Like it was insane or sorry, not my maternity leave, my pregnancy. Cause we would just work, work, work. I remember like not feeling well and, but like not pregnancy symptoms. And my doctor actually thought it was a stress induced ulcer because I was on birth control at the time. Mm -hmm. So there was no reason for me to think I was pregnant. I had been on the same birth control for like five years. Like why would I be pregnant? So I had all of this like terrible acid reflux and my doctor was like, yeah, everything you're describing to me sounds like a stress induced ulcer, but like I recommend taking a pregnancy test and I'll bring you in tomorrow just to like test you for other things. They had me booked for an ulcer test like where you like breathe anyways that's like where my brain was at that I was supposed to leave for Europe a week later like I had all these things on the books like my life was like really planned out I was like I'm gonna crush it at my job for the next three years then I'm gonna go into wedding planning by myself I'm going to Europe my boyfriend's probably gonna propose to me everything was just (laughs) sweet like I was in this sweet golden hour spot And then I went to shoppers that morning, got a pregnancy test. The first one came back, nothing. It was just like blank. And and in that exact moment, I was like, I'm fucking pregnant. Sorry, I don't know if I can swear on here. It's okay, I'll bleep you. (laughs) But I was like, I'm pregnant. And I didn't even have the result back yet. I just knew in that moment. And then the second one came back, clear as day, plus sign. So I had the day off. My husband came home for lunch. And I just like ripped the bandaid off. I was like, so we're expecting. And he literally went like full airplane brace mode, which is like, oh my God. Oh my God. Like he was stunned. Like this is not something we were planning. So it took us a little bit of time. Like both of us, like I was really excited after I started thinking about it. I was like, I love this guy so much. This is like our little creature together. Like I'm so excited. And I just started to get really hyped up on it. And Tanner, I think being like the supportive person that he is in our relationship was like thinking about all the things I probably should have been thinking about, like where we going to live? How much money do we have? Like babies are expensive. And I was just like, not there. Like the whole time I was just thinking, oh my gosh, there's this thing inside me that's half me and half Tanner. And I just can't wait to meet it. And I was very fortunate. I had an awesome pregnancy. So I worked the entire time I was pregnant. Like I'm not joking. Ethan was born on the 29th. I worked until the 27th of May. Uh, I, I was crazy. And like in hindsight, I probably could have taken more time for myself. I probably could have, you know, done more of the yoga and the classes and all of those things that I really enjoyed towards the end. I probably could have started that like way earlier, but I didn't. 
And that was my own journey. And something that I realized while I was pregnant, I used to, I actually used to apologize to clients for being pregnant, for going on maternity leave. Like I would sell, I would talk to them and I would be like, I'm so sorry. I'm going to be gone Mm. for a year. I'm like, maybe it'll be six months. And everybody would look at me like I was crazy. It was my own thought process of being like, Oh, how dare I be pregnant? Mm. How dare I disrupt everybody's commitments and event planning with my pregnancy? Like I would have these thoughts constantly. Mm. And the second that Ethan was born, most of those thoughts went away. Like it was just like, it didn't matter anymore. And I think what came out of motherhood for me personally was I lost this innate desire to please everyone because I realized it wasn't going to happen. At that point, you have so much energy and emotion tied up into this little bundle that has no capacity to do anything itself. And all of a sudden you're like, I actually don't care what you're doing and I have no time for it because I'm really busy. Mm -hmm. And naturally at first that became very like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know, like all the things I used to care about, I don't care about anymore. Why do I not care about these things? The one thing that didn't change was my ambition. And I think it just got channeled differently where I thought to myself, I never want this to change where Ethan is like this little, he's like a weird soulmate to me. It's so bizarre. I just adore him. And I was like, I never want to be in a position again where I have to choose something over him. And if I can create a life for myself where I don't have to do that, where I can be ambitious, where I can have what I want, but on my terms, because what I'm bringing to the table is that valuable that's where I want to be at. And I'm not there yet. I don't want to like preach this story about me being at this point where I'm so valuable that I can turn away whatever I want. That is not the case. I am hustling hard people (laughs) hire me. But like on the flip side of that, I now have this value metric. That's like, you have to beat out spending time with my son. Like it has to be valuable enough, either monetarily for, from a fulfillment perspective of like, does this make me want to get up in the morning? Will this pay my bills? Does this give me a sense of pride when I walk away? And And if it doesn't have at least one of those things, it's a very easy answer to be like, no, thank you. And I have to say, this comes from a place of privilege. I have a husband that is, you know, comfortable in his job. We have a very, we've chosen a very minimalistic life. We don't own a vehicle. We live in a small apartment. We are very cautious of the types of objects that we bring into our life because we don't like the idea of being attached to things. We like the idea of having the freedom to just live this life that is maybe a little bit more unstable financially, so to speak, but it's very fulfilling for us. And that doesn't work for everybody. And so I'm not saying that this is like the way to do it, but for me, I realized at a certain point I wanted to do something for myself because that also meant I was doing something for Ethan. If I went back to a job where I was constantly stressed about taking Ethan to daycare or picking him up or not being able to fulfill everything for my clients, because I was that person that was on call. Like you could text me, whatever, call me, email me any hour of the day. You would get a response in 10 to 15 minutes. Like there was not a doubt. And I'm sure you can relate because you feel that you owe that to your clients and you genuinely love most of your clients probably, which is how I felt. I adored them. Some of them are my friends now. Like it's just crazy how life happens that way. But that's not sustainable when you're also transitioning into motherhood. So that period of my life closed and that period will maybe happen again when Ethan is a little bit older or our family has changed a little bit. I don't miss it at this point though. And what I would say is for those of you that are concerned about, you know, the career aspect of motherhood, it is challenging it is not easy. You do get a lot of uh, pushback on certain things. There's a lot of 
you know, there's two different sides. There's like the, the motherhood that's like stay at home and be there for your child. There's a motherhood that's like, no, we need to be career women and empower ourselves. There's people like me that fit somewhere in the middle. And so you get a lot of voices and there's a ton of opinions and it can be very overwhelming. But what I have loved about motherhood is just like finding my journey myself and just becoming unapologetic about who I am because I have to be unapologetic for Ethan's sake. When I feel something strongly about nothing related to my job, just about raising a child, I all of a sudden have this like confidence and this like fearlessness to be like, no, I stand by this and I am going to raise my son this way, or I'm going to try this approach, or I'm going to do it this way. And you have to take that stance sometimes. So that has really transitioned well for me into my career where I'm able to put my foot down a little bit more. I'm able to be very honest and frank in a way that I wasn't before. And the confidence surge that comes with motherhood is not, I can't even explain it. Like, I think I've always been a fairly confident person, even just in appearances. Maybe I haven't always felt that way, but I think I come across as being, you know, I'm, I'm a loud person. I'm really outspoken. (laughs) I have a bit of a brass sense of humor. And so I think that can be perceived as confidence. I've not always been confident. There's a lot of times that that has just been internalized self-doubt. I'm, I'm a huge overthinker and I struggle to just hit enter or just press send. Like I really overthink things. I don't have that much time to think things like that anymore. (laughs) And so I have found a way to just trust myself and trust my gut. And I think that that experience for me has come through motherhood. So the only thing missing from this interview is Danny's explanation of Daydreaming 101 because my computer storage got full and, uh, of course, deleted the last clip of our interview. So I'm going to just spend a couple minutes explaining what Daydreaming 101 is actually going to look like if you're in Calgary or you're in Alberta and you want to come down for the weekend. Keep listening. If you are not anywhere near where we live but you want to attend virtually, We also are going to have digital tickets, so you'll be able to watch a conference replay with the workshop and the fireside chat uh, from wherever you are in the world. So what can you expect? Day one is all about influencer marketing and whether you are a content creator, an artist, a small business owner, uh, somebody who's just starting out or somebody who's kind of more established and looking to grow. This workshop is specifically going to be about how to build those relationships between brands and influencers, uh, how to pitch, how to price, how to negotiate, and what return on investment or ROI you should look for from these partnerships. So from the influencer side, I'm going to speak about what it looks like uh, when brands approach you, which deals are good deals to take, how to negotiate higher rates in deals, and how to find brands uh, on different platforms and tools that you can use to make sure that you are making yourself as visible as possible to PR agencies. And if you're a brand or a small business owner, I'm also going to be covering how to approach influencers, how to price these campaigns, and different tools that brands and businesses can be using to measure the results from these relationships. So that's a two-hour workshop with a question and answer period, so you can have your questions answered as well about anything that you learn throughout the workshop or any questions that you might have going into the weekend. The workshop is done digitally, so if you are not in Calgary or you can't make it to the weekend, 
you can purchase a digital ticket just for this influencer marketing workshop. And I'm going to leave the link in the show notes, but basically you just want to use the code digital when checking out to get a digital ticket. Day two is the content shootout. And personally, I think this is going to be the best part of the entire weekend. The building that Daydreaming 101 is hosted in is a historic building in downtown Calgary, which is the Foreman's building, and we have all three floors of this space, which are going to be fully styled uh, by Danny and her team. We've rented out furniture, there's going to be just so many props and fun things that you can play with, uh, and it's essentially going to be a creative playground. So every floor is going to be styled to a different theme, we're really going all out here, it's going to be pretty maximalist and colorful and neutral and anything that you can imagine, we're hoping that this space uh, just really sparks creativity. And on top of all of that and the props, we're also gonna have some clothing and things that you guys can play with in your photos. We'll have tripods there. So if you need to use a tripod to shoot, you can do so. You can also bring your own photographer there if you need to. We will also have a photographer. And this space is going to be perfect for influencers or content creators who wanna create something for their feed If you need to shoot brand collaborations, you can do that in this space. If you are a brand or a business owner and you're looking for product photography, you can come do that in this space. Uh, If you need a website redo, if you're looking for, you know, more professional or more aesthetic photos for your website or LinkedIn or whatever it is, come use this space and everybody will have a two hour photo shoot time slot. So you'll have enough time to, to get through the three floors. Uh, as well as not overcrowding the space with too many people at a time. Throughout the content shootout, I'm going to be around for one-on-one mini strategy sessions. So if you have any specific questions about Instagram, TikTok, influencer marketing, and you really just want to sit down with me for 20-30 minutes and pick my brain about it, this is going to be the perfect time to do so. This is included with your ticket. Use me to answer any questions that you need, essentially. And then day three is uh, the fireside chat, the rooftop mixer, and uh, more content creation. So the fireside chat is with two local influencers, A Glimpse of Maria and Ali Facet, who are both creative powerhouses and who have very unique niche styles. And what we're going to be talking about in that panel is mostly around how to strategize and monetize your creativity because a lot of times creativity can get in the way of building your business and we're really going to talk about how to use your creativity in a smart business sense and how to monetize that. The fireside chat is also planned to be recorded so when you purchase a digital ticket if you can't make it to the actual event you should have access to the fireside chat video where You can learn from all these other creators as well as just me. And then that evening also is the rooftop mixer, which is essentially our patio party to wrap things up. Uh, The rooftop patio at the Foreman's building is really cute and kind of underrated and undiscovered. Uh, They don't really host anything there. And so this patio is going to be used for our party. Uh, And this is going to be a time to network with all the other like-minded creatives who come to the weekend um, and have some drinks and listen to some music and have some fun. We are 
super excited for everything in general. Um, and I hope that you guys are excited too. If you have any questions at all, feel free to DM me on Instagram. You can also shoot Danny a message, which her Instagram is linked in the uh, show notes as well. And if you order a ticket before this Wednesday, and this Wednesday, let me check what day it's going to be. If you order a ticket before Wednesday, July 8th, you are going to be entered to a chance to win a refund on your ticket or a free ticket if you would rather that. So essentially you register, we're going to be drawing from the people who have already registered to win a refund on their ticket, or you can choose to get a free ticket to bring a friend with you. So if you're interested, the next few days are going to be the best time to order your ticket. After that, of course, you can still order and Again, $15 off all tickets with the link in my bio. So excited to see you guys there. And until next time, happy self-care Sunday, everyone. 